0: You are listening to the Fairview Baptist Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit www.myfairviewbaptist.org. Our speaker for today is Senior Pastor, Dr. Matt Entress. Take your Bible and join me in John chapter 12. I say, well, Brother Matt, that's not the Christmas story. Well, yeah, it's going to be. Just, just hang in with me. It's going to be. Amen. John chapter 12. And this is actually, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem before His death on the cross. So we usually preach this text in Easter. You say, well, good grief, what in the world? You're in the wrong holiday, preacher. This is Christmas. Well, Christmas and Easter go together, folks, don't they? You can't really have Christmas and not have Easter. You certainly can't have Easter if you don't have Christmas. Uh, Both of these moments are significant, not only in the life of our Savior, but in our life today. And so we'll start in John chapter 12 in just a moment, and we'll make our way and tie it back to the Christmas story as well. Let's pray, and then we'll get in this together. Father, as we come today to answer an important question about our faith and about our belief in life, we pray that today you would be very clear through your word about what you require of us, what you desire of us, that we would be men and women and boys and girls who recognize the significance of this season, And we see that, Lord, you sent your Savior. You gave him for us so that we could be given back to you. And so today we pray we'd hear your word that we would believe and that we would respond to your Holy Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we ask these things and pray. Amen. Now, there are lyrics that you've probably heard to a popular song on the radio this time of year. You've heard these words, it's the most That's amazing. I gave y'all like three words and y'all, man, y'all knew it. I'm going to put y'all on one of them game shows, you know, where you, where you finish the line, you know, all right, we, we'd, win some, we'd win a big prize or something, some money or something on that, right? Yeah, but you've heard that song, obviously, it's the most wonderful time of the year and, and we have to answer the question, well, why is it the most wonderful time of the year? Well, Christmas, first of all, probably is the most wonderful time of the year because we really celebrate family. We do. We get to celebrate family. We often have family meals together or maybe get-togethers. My family uh, did that yesterday. My, uh, the interest is we had a get-together with our uh, family who have that last name or some name close to it anyway, right? And uh, we had a good meal together. We had a little gift exchange. But most of all, we just spent time with each other. We spent time relaxing and having fun. The guys got out and played a little Nerf football in the yard. Nobody broke any bones. It was a success. Uh, the girls all piled up and went to a movie. So anyway, we spent some quality time, and it was, it was good. So Christmas is a wonderful time of the year because you celebrate family. But Christmas is also a wonderful time to celebrate God's love for us and His goodness to others. And so people tend to think more or at least pay more attention to those who have great needs during this time of the year. It just seems like generosity becomes a part of this season. It becomes a part of of what we do at this time of the year. But this is what I really believe more than anything, that Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year because we celebrate life and understand death. And you say, well, good grief. Is that really Christmas? Yes. Listen, at Christmas, we begin to celebrate the life that God has given us through the precious gift of His Son, Jesus Christ, the Babe in that manger. But but Christmas is also the time when we begin to understand death more more significantly. We begin to realize that death is a consequence of sin. And God, in His love for us and His goodness to us, knew there was only one way to deal with our sin problem and ultimately defeat death. And that was if Christ Himself, God Himself in human flesh, came and not only paid the penalty for our sin through death, but then was resurrected to eternal life to give us that life. So, I mean, this, this is the gift that keeps on giving, okay? It really is. not the Jelly of the Month Club. This is the gift that keeps on giving for eternity, the precious life of Jesus Christ. And we begin to celebrate that in this season. So this past week, I began to think about some of the things that have influenced you know, our understanding of this season, underst- influenced the way we think about it. I was reading an article by a lady named Meg Boucher. She's a contributing writer for Crosswalk.com. It's a a website that often has a lot of articles and things about Christian life. In her article she wrote this year, the title of it was Ten Christmas Carols That Tell the Real Story of Christmas. and She picked out ten carols that she felt really best helped us understand this season. And, you know, that's a way a lot of times we learn, don't we? We like to learn because we we, learn, we love songs. When we listen to songs, we learn lyrics. At least some of us try to learn lyrics, right? Others just kind of mumble, whatever it is, you know. They just like the tune, you know. But uh, <laughs> I've been guilty of that too. But the lyrics of the songs are so important because they teach us a lot about uh, why God did what He did. And I want to pick out one of them in particular. There was one carol that just stood out to me, and that was the carol of the first Noel. We sang it this morning. And I began to think about the words in that song. On on the screen, I've got for you the last chorus, the last little stanza before we sing the chorus, the last stanza. Look at this. We we sang this earlier. Then let us all with one accord sing praises to our heavenly Lord that hath made heaven and earth of naught. That means out of nothing. God made heaven and earth out of nothing. There was nothing until God created it, right? And with His blood, Mankind has bought. Now think on that. How can God, who is spirit, buy back fallen creation with his own blood? If he's spirit, he doesn't have blood. Yes, he does. He has a son named Jesus, who is God in human flesh. In the book of Acts, we read about this. Uh, it's pointed out that it was through his blood, God's blood, in Jesus, that he paid the penalty for our sin. God bought us back from death, and He gave us life. And then the song, Noel, 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 born as the King of Israel. So we sing that a lot at this time of the year. But in that song, it's describing for us, if you go back and read all the lyrics, the most amazing story. Why is it that a poor peasant family traveling to a small peasant community called Bethlehem, having a baby... in in the poorest of fashions, not even having a cradle, so they laid it in a feed trough in a manger. Why is that story, 2,000 years later, one of the most influential and life-changing stories in all the world, and why are we celebrating it today? Why would anybody do that unless it was true, number one, and unless it was life-changing, number two? And so today I really want us to think about why is the Christmas story so important? And are you really willing to believe that this story is true? That this is real? And that God did this some 2,000 years ago and that today we're still experiencing the effects or the benefits or the, or the gracious glory of that because of it. And so let's look at this in John chapter 12. I told you earlier this is really the Easter story. It's where Jesus is coming into the city of Jerusalem in preparation for His death On the cross, and we read this story usually on what we call Palm Sunday, which was when the day Jesus rode in on the little colt of the donkey uh, coming into the city. And people, if you know the story, began to tear branches off the trees around. And as Jesus rode in on the donkey, they were waving the palm branches. They were laying them on the ground. They were even taking their coats off and laying them out. And they were shouting things like, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so they were worshiping this Jesus of Nazareth, this one who had come to be thought to be the Messiah or the Christ of God. And when you read the story in verses 12 down through verse 19, there were various responses to this. Uh, as I told you, his disciples and followers were shouting praises and taking their coats off even in their, in their palm branches. But there were some in the crowd who did not believe. And the Bible says, in verse 18, the Pharisees said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. They were arguing with one another. We're not getting anywhere here. We're trying to do away with this Jesus, and these the whole world has gone after Him. That's what they said there. Everybody seems to be piling on and, and putting their faith in this Christ. What's the deal here? This can't be the Messiah. And they, they were upset about it. They didn't believe. But what's interesting is, There were some in the crowd who were very attuned. They were very interested. And we learned something really important about our faith and how we uh, believe today. I want you to see this in verse 20. Now, there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Now, remember, this is a Jewish feast. This is a time where all the Jews gathered together. You know, kind of like we're celebrating Christmas, and here we are, a bunch of people who would claim to be Christians gathering together here in this room to celebrate Christmas. Well, these Jews had gathered together to celebrate the Feast of Passover. They were coming for this, and so here they gathered together to worship at the Feast. the feast of, uh, and, and it says, that these men, these Greeks, came to Philip, who were from Bethsaida of Galilee, and they asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Think on this, people will see what they are willing to see. Now, it's amazing. Some people can't see what's right in front of them, not because their eyes aren't working, but it's because they're not willing to see it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Are you tracking with me? Have you ever been in that position? where in the back of your mind, in the bottom of your heart, you knew something was true, but you were just a little aggravated about it or hard-headed about it, and you were not willing to admit that you could see that thing. I, that happened one time. Uh, I, I remember, oh boy, he, he uh, was looking for something in the house, and he couldn't find it. And you know what, 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 he, what he did? Honey, I can't find my keys or my wallet or my you know, whatever it was. You, you've been in those positions before? And she walked right into the room, and what did she do? She walked right in, and she picked it up and said, there it is right there. It was right in front of your eyes the whole time, and you didn't see it. He said, it wasn't there either. I never saw it. Now, was it there? Yes. Why didn't he see it? Because either he didn't want to see it, or maybe he just wanted his wife to come get it. I don't know, but uh, he missed it, Right? Sometimes things can become so obvious, but yet we're unwilling to believe them. And so we can't see it. And there were some people in the crowd, these Pharisees. We talked about in verse 8, 19. They they didn't want to see it. It's not that they couldn't see that Jesus was the Messiah. They didn't want to see Him as the Messiah. But here are these Greeks. Here are these Gentiles. Here are these outsiders. And and they wanted to see it. They wanted to believe it. They wanted to know about it. We want to to see this Jesus. Can Can we come meet Him? And they weren't the only ones. It's interesting when you read Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 and 2. We hear in the, in, the, in the Christmas story, there were some men who were outsiders who weren't from Israel. They weren't Jews. They were called Magi. They came from the east, from Persia, from Babylon. And they traveled for months following a star because they wanted to see the one who'd been born the king of the Jews. They were coming to worship this one, and they traveled for months on camels and horses and whatever other animals they had, and they they, they followed a star in the sky because they wanted to see the one who'd been born the king. How did they know about that? Numbers chapter 24 and verse 17. The Bible said that there would be a star that would rise out of Judah. There would be this star, and it would be the one who would be the king to come out of Israel. And so they knew from the Jewish scriptures that this thing, this star, was going to rise at a particular time and it would signal the coming of the king of all the earth. And here's some men who really wanted to see. And so guess what? God let them see. Jesus said it this way He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So they wanted to see. I want to know today, what about you? Do you want to see Christ for who he really is? Do you want to see that he's the one you need in your life because he's your creator, because he's your sustainer, and ultimately he can be your redeemer? Are you willing to see that the baby in that manger is really royalty from heaven? Are you willing to see and can you see what the shepherds saw when the shepherds heard the word that they that came from the angels, they saw the glory of God in the heavens and they ran through Bethlehem until they found that babe in that manger. And they said, we've seen him with our own eyes. We've seen the king of glory. What about you today? When you look at Christmas and you see all the things we see, the poinsettias and the trees and the wreaths, and and you realize the symbolism that's there, can you see that it's really pointing us to the king? It's not about just being with our family. That's good. It's not about just giving gifts. That's good, too. But what it is about is we have a king, and his name is Jesus. But there was also something else going on in the crowd that day. Look again at John chapter 12. Pick up with me uh, in verse 27. Jesus had been talking about the fact that he was going to die. And he did it kind of with uh, an interesting way. He used an illustration in verse 24. He talked about how wheat... Has to, a grain of wheat has to fall into the earth, the plant has to die, and the wheat has to fall into the earth before a new life can come forth. And he's picturing his coming death. Uh, he was going to have to die, be put into the earth, and be resurrected to new life so that you and I could have new life. And he's picturing that for them, and they weren't quite sure they were ready to take that on yet. And so verse 27, Jesus said, Now my soul is troubled. Shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? He said, do you think I should pray and ask God to keep me from having to die on the cross? That's kind of what he's saying. He says, no, but for this purpose, I came to this hour. Jesus was saying here to the crowd, I've come here for this moment. This is what I'm here to do. I'm here to give my life for you, to die for your sin. And when he said that, in verse 28, he said, Father, glorify your name. And then notice this. A voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. And others said, Well, an angel has spoken to him. But Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but it was for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. What's Jesus talking about? He's saying this thing that people will hear what they're willing to hear. Jesus was willing to give his life, but were they willing to hear that? Listen, Jesus came today for you. Why? Because you've got a sin problem. Are you willing to hear that? Now, that that bothers me when somebody points their finger at me and says, you did this or you did that. Woo! Y'all, I'm just enough redneck that when somebody points their finger in my face, you know what that does? That makes my blood boil. Don't you point your finger at me. Or don't you you call me out on something. Woo! You you know what I'm talking about? You've, You've been there. That's what Jesus was doing in the moment. Do you see that? Go back and look at what he said in verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. He's saying it's because of sin, because of your sin, that I'm coming to die on this cross. Did you ever ever thought about that? That the reason Jesus came in that manger was because of your sin? Brother, that Christmas is a sweet time. I know it is. Well, it's, it's, such a, it's such a pleasant holiday. I don't want to think about sin at Christmas. That's why we celebrate it. Not because we're celebrating our sin, but because we're celebrating we need a Savior. we got to have a Savior, y'all. I can't fix Matt. Y'all know that. Y'all have known that for a long time. Brother Matt, we've known that. Ain't nobody can fix you except Jesus. You know, I, I know y'all know that, right? But do, do you know this, that nobody can fix you except Jesus? Do you know that? It's the truth. And sometimes we don't want to stomach that. So we have to think, are we willing to hear that? Are you willing to hear that you need a Savior? That you're a sinner who needs a Savior? Because some of the people in the crowd were ready. Oh, we need one. Thank you, Lord. Come. Others were like, oh, we don't need this guy. Get this guy out of here. Kill him. Do something with him. Get rid of him. We don't need him. We don't want him. So we are, in that way, at this point, coming to a place where we have to understand... If we are expecting Christ to do a good work in us, I, I think about the story of Joseph. Think about Joseph, who was going to be the earthly father for Jesus. Now, he did not know this until an angel came to visit one night. If you read this in Matthew chapter 1, verses 19 through 25, he's, he's laying there in bed, he's asleep, and in the dream, in a vision, an angel appears to him, and the angel says, Joseph. Now, when the angel says, Matt, in my dream, it had scared the daylights out of me, so I'm sure it kind of got his attention, you know, because it was like real, one of them dreams you can touch almost, you know. And uh, and so this angel speaks to Joseph, and he says, don't be afraid. How many times in the Bible did God say to somebody, don't be afraid, don't be afraid? Usually when he says, don't be afraid, guess what? He's about to tell you something that's going to make you afraid, (laughs) and he's just getting you ready, right? What's he saying? He's saying, trust me. Just trust me with what I'm fixing to tell you. And so he he says, Joseph, trust me. Don't be afraid. Trust me. Listen, there's a baby that's going to be conceived in Mary's womb. And the baby that's there, don't don't panic. It's from God. The baby is, is God's son. And you need to be the man who is righteous and upright like I know you are. And you need to take Mary as your wife and raise that baby as your own. And you need to see that he serves the purposes that God has for him. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically kind of the message the angel is giving Joseph. And you know what? He had to decide, am I willing to hear what I'm hearing? Am I really willing to hear this? I mean, I hear it, but am I willing to hear it? And we're all at that place in life where we have to decide what are we willing to here so look at, again at john 12 because there's one last thing that we need to consider in this story of jesus coming verse 33 says jesus was signifying his death that he was going to die and the people answered we've heard from the law that the christ remains forever how must how can you say the son of man must be lifted up i, I knew that meant on the cross Who is this Son of Man? And Jesus said to them, A little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. And while you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. There were some who saw and believed Uh, there were others who did not verse 37 clues us into that It says although he had done so many signs before them they did not believe in him there were some who just wouldn't do it they wouldn't believe they were stiffening their necks and hardening their hearts they saw only what they wanted to see and they heard only what they wanted to hear so they couldn't believe but there were some in the crowd who recognized who he was. They saw the prophecy of Isaiah being fulfilled. Look at verse 38. They knew that the word of Isaiah, the prophet, had been fulfilled, which which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn so that they should be he, I should heal them. And so... What was going on here in this moment was no surprise really because Isaiah the prophet had already said there are some folks, they're just not willing to see who Jesus really is. They're not willing to really willing to hear what he has to say so they cannot believe and they won't believe. But notice this, Jesus made this statement. He cried out later in verse 44. He said, He who believes in me believes not in me but in him who sent me and he who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Folks, listen to those words. Pay attention to those words. Jesus is painting a picture for you. There's only two ways to live in this world, in the light or in the dark. You can walk in the light and know God, have fellowship with God, know the truth. Light represents truth. Light represents the only way to live, the right way to live, God's way to live. Because He created us and He made us and He sent Christ to redeem us. Then He talks about the darkness. The darkness is when we get hard-headed and stiff-necked and we say, God, I don't want you. I don't need you. I'm not listening. I'm not looking. I'm not paying any attention. I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't need God telling me what to do. You got two choices, don't you? I got two choices. We can walk in the light while we have the light. Or we can turn our back on it and die in the darkness. There's only two ways in life. Jesus is pointing it out. It's a stark contrast. It's a difficult moment, but it's needful. They needed to hear this. They needed to believe these things. kind of reminds me of that moment when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary. Y'all remember Mary. Sweet Mary, the sweet peasant girl who was there in the city of Nazareth. That angel Gabriel came to her and said, Mary. Oh, Mary, you're blessed and favored with God. And in her response was, Me? <laughs> me? And he began to tell you, Mary, you're going to be pregnant. And she said, Me? <laughs> me? But, Lord, I, I've not even known a man. In other words, I'm still a virgin. I, I'm committed to being pure before God. That can't be me. The angel said, no, Mary, it's you. Because God is putting within you His Son. And you'll carry this precious gift to the whole world. And when He comes into the world, He'll be a light that shines in the darkness. Folks, the light has come. His name is Jesus. And when you and I give our life to following the true light from God, Jesus Christ, when we understand the baby in that manger is the only way to salvation, the only way to be forgiven of our sin, the only way to have the stain and the guilt and the shame removed is to trust Christ, to believe in Christ, who He is and what He did, that He went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, that He died, was placed in the tomb with our sins, and then He rose victoriously over our sin. And when we come to that place, when God speaks through us, to us, in, through His Spirit, our response has got to be like that of Mary. You know what she said? Luke chapter 1, verses 37 and 38. She said, I am a servant of the Lord. What did she mean when she said that? Whatever you want, God, I'm here. I'm yours. That's, that's got to be our response. When God bursts on the scene in your life and He says, I'm here and I want to forgive you and I want to give you new life, our response doesn't need to be, well, I, I, I'm, I'm a good old boy or I'm a good girl. I don't. I don't need, no, our response needs to be, Lord, I'm yours. Whatever you want, I'm yours. I'll do what you want me to do. You're the Creator. I'm not. You're God. I'm not. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And when we have that kind of heart, and when that kind of desire, and we're willing to repent of sin and turn to God and, and give Him our life, and we really believe and trust Him and obey Him, when that happens, listen, that's when salvation takes place in your life. That's when a renewal takes place. That's when you become a new person, a new man, a new woman, and you've got a new perspective on a life and, a, and an eternal life that's going to go on forever. So today we celebrate the coming of, of God's Son to die for us some 2,000 years ago. The question is, are you willing to see that with eyes of faith? Today, we're celebrating the fact that He came as that babe in the manger. Are you willing to listen to His voice when He speaks to you through His Word, by His Holy Spirit, even in other believers? Are you willing to believe with all of your heart that you're going to trust Him and obey Him and serve Him every turn of your life? If you can answer those questions, yes. Yes, Lord, yes. Yes. I'll do it. Let me tell you something. God has got you on the right path to not only walk in the light, but experience His eternal life. So I want us to pray together right now. We're going to take a moment to pray. And as we do, I want to challenge you with this. First of all, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you given Him your life? Do you believe that that baby in that manger is your Savior? And today, if you don't know that for sure, but you'd sure like to make that sure, I want to lead us in a time of prayer. So would you join me right now with your heads bowed, your eyes closed. I'm going to lead us in a moment of prayer. And as I pray, there's probably someone, there could be someone, who's ready to commit their life to following Christ and to believing in Him. And if that's you, I want to ask you to pray this simple prayer of faith with me. Would you say this? Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to this world. Jesus, thank you. For dying on the cross for my sin. Then would you pray this? Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you come into my life? And Would you save me? Today, if you'd make that your prayer of faith and you'd really believe in Him, He'll forgive your sins and He'll heal your life right now. He'll begin that process of transforming you making you a new person. Listen, there may be others in here today, you're a Christian, you're a believer, you've done that. You have put your faith in Christ, but you're, maybe you've been struggling in your walk, and you've failed Him at points, and you just need God to wa- wash your spirit, to renew your mind, to make you right with Him. In just a moment, we're going to have what we call the Lord's Supper. But before we ever get there, we need to make sure we are right with the Lord before we celebrate that. We don't ever need to take of the Lord's Supper if either we're not a Christian or if we're a Christian who's out of fellowship, who's not walking with the Lord. And so today I want to give you an opportunity to take both of those positions and make them right. If you don't know Christ and you want to, you prayed that prayer in just a moment, I want to invite you to come and pray with me. I want to talk to you about how you can begin to follow Christ as a new Christian. There could be someone, some of us in this room, though, who need to spend some time in prayer. Maybe we're believers who aren't walking... Right, right with the Lord. And maybe you need right where you are to pray and get your heart and mind ready. Or maybe you want to come to the altar and pray. It's fine. However God leads you in this invitation time, you just put your life in His hands today and let Him renew you. So, Fathers, we come to this moment of invitation. Help us to set our hearts and minds on You. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together right now.